You're listening to the newest member of the 210 Podcast Network, the It's a Guy Thing Podcast. Join Mike, Rick, and Mario as we discuss the things we love in life, the things we hate, and all the stuff in between. You're listening to It's a Guy Thing Podcast. This is Mario. This is Rick. This is Michael. So, let's get it on. And for our listeners in Qatar, دعونا الحصول على All right, guys, so um, we might as well jump right in and talk about the hot topic of the week. Los Angeles Clippers owner Donald Sterling ousted, banned for life, fined $2.5 million for the exposure of the uh, tape from uh, the conversation with him and an ex-girlfriend, I believe, that uh, basically showed him to have racist commentary as far as who he wanted her to bring to his games, who he wanted her to mix with in circles. And so based on that, Commissioner Adam Silver of the NBA uh, promptly banned him for life, gave him that $2.5 million fine, and then said that he will work with the owners to vote to force a sale of the team. So it brings up a lot of questions. Obviously, nobody thinks racism is okay, at least within reason. There's really no reason why anybody would have a something against that. So that's not really the... The part of the topic to talk about. I mean, <clears throat> I guess you could really kind of dive into that a lot deeper. But um, let's go deep. But the biggest, the biggest thing is, I guess, addressing some of the stuff that a lot of people have talked about. Not really in defense of Sterling, but more of just in a awareness, an, an awareness type situation where they're mm-hmm. saying, you know, that tape. According to California law, it's illegal to record someone without their knowledge. And, of course, there's debate now on saying, did he actually know or did he not know? Someone said, well, he did know. He was actually having a conversation for a memoir he was writing, which would be pretty <laughs> which, ridi- That would what, be pretty ridiculous. What chapter is that? <laughs> yeah. But if it wasn't, if that's not the case, then we could also go with that he was being recorded without his knowledge. Mm-hmm. The tape was obtained by TMZ and uh, released publicly. Oh, they're and then, a valuable news source, though, aren't they? The what? They're a very valuable news source, though, aren't they? I mean, it's it's basically what paparazzi for TV. Yeah, is that the yeah right? So um, entertainment television kind of. But I don't think they're as off base as like National Enquirer. They're basically just reporting celebrity ongoings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, there's that. You know, the issue with how the tape was obtained, and then of course there's the issue with whether it's a you know private entity like the NBA, which is a private club, private organization or a government organization or an institution you know is there something to be said about being able to force somebody to sell their property sell their assets so you know this has been a hotbed topic for all the sports pundits and even outside of that you know cnn has been addressing it talking about you know a lot of the stuff where you know this man is basically now by being banned for life he's not allowed to step onto the premises of the clippers he's not allowed to conduct any business activities any player personnel decisions, basically forcing him to be in a situation where if he doesn't sell, he would have to be an absentee owner sitting at home Mm. and has no interaction whatsoever with his team. So the NBA basically felt, and the commissioner basically felt that the commentary he made as far as, and you can look it up on YouTube or whatever like that. You can go and just type in, you know, Donald Sterling racist comments. I don't know how you want to look it up, but you can listen to that whole conversation and it's, it's pretty it's pretty telling it's not really uh, an ambiguous type situation of of his opinion and his views so the question then is you know 
should things like that should racism be legal at this point or is it just a if you're a public entity if you're a public persona then whether that stuff is acquired properly or not you know you could address that he was recorded illegally or improperly Mm -hmm. or whatever like that but even if that happens right once that gets made public you are now accountable for your personal thoughts your personal views regardless of of how that works so so this is the thing. I mean, I, and I think it, it's a, it's a valid thing as a, as a conversation piece. Obviously, whenever you talk about racism or things like that, it's always a touchy subject, and you know you can go different directions with it. But um, just generally speaking, I think that the kind of issue it raises, though, is um, like you said, that, I guess kind of the main thing is everybody has thoughts, right? I mean, we're we're we make the assumption, especially in situations like this, that we're all moral people and that we all think good thoughts all the time and that we're all politically correct because we live in an age when you should be and all of that. And that, that that's the ideal. That's what we'd like to think. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, this is something like this. I think that's why it's such a big deal when this happens now is that not that it should or is such a surprise that there are people that are racist. I think when we actually have to like deal with it to some degree in our face where you have right. to develop an opinion about it, Suddenly, that 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 that's the issue because then you're confronted with your own, you know, moral scale and your own moral compass, and then you're forced to kind of deal with that, and then either ignore it or make it a conversation piece, or make it a joke, or make it comedy, or whatever. And I think that's the thing that, to me, that that's the more important part of the of the conversation. I mean, again, like you said, racism is bad. Like, if you don't, if you think racism's okay, you're a dickhead. Like, that's it's pretty cut and dry. Okay. In this day yeah. and age, and ever, ever. Let's not even say in this day and age. It's not like we're more illuminated now. Like it was never. Uh, it acceptable. was never, never cool to be a dickhead. And let's just call it that. It's like you're, you're racist or you're classist or you're sexist, whatever it is. And, that, and that's the issue. Whether you're a homophobe, a racist, a classist, or a sexist, you're still a fucking dick. Because there, we, I think as a whole, most people are born hopefully with some sort of moral compass that tells you that. You know when you're hurting people. You know when you're doing wrong. You know when you're going against kind of the the greater nature of your own, you know, of, of your own soul. At least that's what I think. You know, that, yeah. You know, but I guess that's why I'm saying that the bigger topic here is is being faced with that with that issue. Is that you know, I, I'm pretty sure between the three of us and between all the people you interact with, you know, on whether it's on a daily basis or a monthly or yearly, you, you come across casual racism. Oh yeah. You know, in this day and age, whether it's us as you know, guys of Mexican-American descent or Hispanic or Latino, whether it's us making jokes about it amongst ourselves because mm-hmm. we feel like it's okay because it's a part of our culture and it's a part of our own experience. So it's it we within the confines of comfort and among people right. you know it's okay to talk about it that way. You know, the same way within African-American culture, there's certain words and, and, and lexicon that, that – that they can use that's you know allowable right. in certain social situations, and you know the same goes I guess for any other culture or ethnicity. So I think that that's the big thing is that's the question we're kind of faced with. You know I I guess whenever stuff like this happens, you know the race kind of stuff comes up. I always like think of that scene in Office Space in the beginning because that's kind of like the 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 kind of the the compass for these situations is like there's that beginning scene in in Office Space where Michael Bolton's driving in his car. And he's, you know what I'm talking about? And he's rapping. He's listening. Oh, yeah. to, he's listening to like the Ghetto Boys or whatever it is. And he's like rapping. And he's, you know, busting out, dropping n bombs left and right. 
and he's got the window rolled down, and of course an African American guy walks by, and he's like, Ugh. and he turns the volume down. He turns the volume down and rolls up the window and starts mouthing the words, and he. But that's the thing. It's like that's that social social trigger of okay, this is where the lines crossed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not even him being racist; it's him embracing a type of music that he enjoys. I mean, you know, in in the in the spirit of a fictional movie, of course, but. It, who doesn't do that? I mean, I'm not a big hip hop right. person, but I'd imagine guys that aren't of African American descent that love hip hop that know all the words feel comfortable in the space of their own car or home dropping these words. But again, that's the issue: is now would they feel comfortable dropping those same words in the presence of other people that they don't know? Right. And, you know and, what I mean? And or the people the, that could be easily offended by it. And look at the way the the film Crash brought all of that to light mm-hmm. with multiple cultures with multiple racial interactions about the way we I guess that movie was trying to speak for the general public about the way the general public would see each other you know through each other's eyes and how we instantly have you know um, these pre predetermined views and stuff like that and I think it was um, is it ludicrous is he yeah, he's, one, in, that. he's yeah, in it right yeah, yeah. his con his commentary about you know how unfair unfairly you know black guys are stereotyped and how it's not fair for them and they're wearing certain kinds of clothes and they're in a certain kind of neighborhood right before their characters commit armed <laughs> robbery, right? <laughs> you know? And uh and I think it's really neat because that that film kind of opens it up, you know, and especially like the Ryan Phillippe character as well. Yeah. You know, in his interaction with Don Cheadle's brother. Um I think it's one of those things where even the best people, even the most morally sound people, like you said, the people that have that near perfect moral compass that don't see color as sort of a thing that matters as far as who your friends are or how you interact with anybody. Yeah. You know, if anything, I think more people want to embrace that diversity, but there's so many things that still make it something we are forced to talk about because they'll say, you know, um, if a, if a Latino or a, a black person gets into a certain position of power it's not just congratulations to so-and-so it's first black person to do this first latino person to do this they bring attention to it so it's like on one hand we're celebrating it but we're also making it an aware thing that you know these minorities this section of people are i don't know what to say like behind or not you know um filling enough of these positions where like even adam silver said you know that the nba commissioner he was saying how now all these celebrities and different groups of people are like lining up to buy the Clippers once Sterling's forced to sell the team, uh, including like Floyd Mayweather, Oprah Winfrey and Oprah Winfrey said she just wants to be part of the buyers group just so that there's an important person of not only black descent, but also female just for the sake of it being in the history books that that's there. And Adam Silver's like noting a couple of people that are Uh, minority owners or majority owners that are not white people basically saying, you know, we have this excellent diversity and we want to continue to see that, that happen. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me a lot too of like American history X where Ed Norton's character, his father, you know, that flashback scene where Ed Norton's father is shown to be very subtly racist until he brings up certain things and he starts talking about, you know, how he's a fireman. Right. And he's like, um, here's this guy who gets the job over another guy because he had a lower score, but they were trying to diversify. Mm. So now I've got a guy watching my back who who's less skilled, less, less skilled than the other guy. And it's like, America's supposed to be a best man for the job and blah, blah, blah. And then you start getting into, well, testing is culturally biased and blah, blah, blah. So it feels yeah. like it's never going to go away. And every time you fill out a job application, your ethnicity is something you fill out and collegiates fill out 
scholarship applications that have all of that on there. So it it feels like it's never really going to go away, no matter how morally sound we are. We're just sort of forcibly made aware of I, that. I think that yeah. that's that's my problem with like you know kind of catching up with this with the story and stuff and reading about it is that that that's what's kind of frustrating about it is that is that again we know that there are racist people. We know that there's a lot of old school rich white people. I mean, this guy, like, I mean, as we know, like, he had a history of this type of absolutely of, of outspokenness and this type of kind of belligerence towards other ethnicities and stuff. So it's not a surprise. But now that it's a media story, now, I, I never even honestly, and you know that because I'm not a basketball fan, I didn't even know who the guy was until the other day. Right, but Same yet. Here. The things that he's done in the past, from what I've read, are just as awful as whatever's on that tape. But who's going to speak and, up for them? Who, who's going to get in front of a microphone and, and speak for the exactly poorly that, treated but, apartment but tenants? That, but that's the thing is like you know here he is you know speaking poorly about African American and Hispanic tenants of his you know his whatever these apartment complexes are, and yeah, that's not a big name story unless you're in litigation with them or involved in that somehow or somehow it touches your life. Suddenly we're now now we're talking about big time sports and celebrities and Magic Johnson, all these people where suddenly it's more of an issue now where it's and that's the thing, it's like I don't wanna say that you know, I don't want to come across it as being untactful, you know, like crappy about it, but it's like Things that people like once people go okay, it's now it's okay to like embrace this topic and and throw my opinion in there and to be all pissy and like you know kind of try to stand in solidarity with these you know these poor basketball players who have to like play under the reign of this racist person and that and that's when I'm kind of getting to like okay like let's be realistic like these people exist everywhere yeah. they might be your relatives or even your friends or people that you work with and it doesn't have to be someone who's doing horrible overt race racial things. It's as simple as saying certain things or mm-hmm. acting certain ways or reacting certain ways when people are around them. And you're aware of it. We're all aware of it. We've had, you know, whether it's family members or whatever, throughout your life, people make those kind of comments oh, or yeah. statements. And you're like, wow, like, where's the line? Like, when do I say something or how mm-hmm. do I react to that? Right. How exactly. do I, on a personal level, deal with it? And that's fine because that's something that we as people have to kind of figure it out on our own as we walk those paths. You know, if, if one or both of you was a racist person, for example, and we were hanging out, and you start dropping, you know, different racial epithets and all these shitty things. That's on me to, at some point, make a decision like, okay, am I going to go along with it? Or am I going to joke along with you? Am I going to say something? Or am I going to ignore it? Or do I remove myself from the situation? And that's a choice that you know each individual has to make. But I think when it gets overblown, like so many things in the media do where everyone's kind of like it's like you're you're with us or against us type of personality mm-hmm. you know or type type of of scenario then that and that's when it gets kind of ugly and murky for me i mean the reality is like we we're talking about earlier it's like if you want to be blunt if you want to be gross about it it's like this is a team of i'm imagining mostly african american professional you know athletes right that's owned by a white man right right the team itself is owned they're employed right. by a white man right. correct you know and of course some of these stories that are spilling out now is all these you know assistants and administrative people people involved in the organization for all these years knew how this man was knew how he operated knew how he treated them kind of sat under the dictatorship of that and in you know bore the brunt of his shittiness and now they're like oh yeah that's the way it was he had and everybody knows now how horrible it was and it's like like I was telling you earlier, and honestly, like my sympathy for that part of it is like kind of like no fuck you. Like yeah. if you work for somebody who's a shitty person and a racist and treats people horrible, and 
you know, 10 years down the road or five years down the road, once your career is nice and set and you're making a nice, I mean, you're living in LA. Let's, let's be real. And he's signing, and he's the one sending your checks. Right. That man mm-hmm. signing your checks. And you can't, to me, that's like, it kind of, t- I'm not saying you don't have a right to be disgruntled or the right to be, you know, in, in a kind of moral quandary, but at the same time, you probably yeah, were yeah. faced with that every single day of your Sold your soul a little bit. Exactly. You can't say, well, and their big thing is like, well, we're not, we weren't a part of that. <laughs> like we just had to do it because that's our job, and we didn't say anything bad. But it's like but allowing still, it to happen. It's like that's like being a freaking German soldier in the freaking Nazi mm-hmm. army and saying, "Well, I I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in the SS. I just did what they told me, and I didn't." Blah, blah, I followed blah. orders. You know, it's like no, yeah. like that. That's the part that's really difficult for me to to wrap my head around when it when when we're talking about the bigger scope of this conversation right now. Because again, racism bad, easy. That's not right. No brainer. Let's get let's get past that. You know, it, it's that larger thing. And like you said, now like. Oprah and these other people kind of running into champion like yeah let's buy this team for for whatever I don't want to like go too far with that but whatever but at the same time it's like no it's like there's how many basketball teams are in the NBA thirty okay there's thirty in the in the NFL what there's thirty two teams right okay now let's just dance around the idea that probably this guy Sterling right right out of sixty three professional teams right. NBA, NFL, whatever. Was he the only racist, w- rich white man who owns a professional sports team? Is that possible? Is it possible that he's the only one out of all these people? That's or even let's even talk about if any of them of any of those teams have minority owners. Now, again, you may be a minority and still be racist. Right. So that's the issue. Is that like people are saying like, oh, this guy's the racist. Let's get rid of him. Let's do all. This. It's like no, like let's. Talk about the grander issue of of racism, if that's what you want to talk about. And for me, a big part of that conversation always has to be classism. That goes straight in there with it. You know, when you're talking about the disparity between rich and poor people and the working mm-hmm. class and the upper class and whatever. And that's the thing. So it's like if tomorrow, if I'm a diehard Houston Texans fan or a Cowboys fan and I love my team and blah, blah, blah. Now tomorrow, and I'm over here on the same pulpit as everyone else, saying, "Oh, this guy's shit," you know, blah blah. Let's wear black, black it out, man, at the fucking, you know, at the at the dome or whatever, because right. that's my statement saying I'm not racist. I'm I'm up in arms with all the other millionaires around here, you know. No, now if tomorrow, like someone's like, you know, you see like the memes going around now about Jerry Jones, you know, and, and like suddenly, like if tomorrow Jerry Jones busts out with his own tape, then now you have to reconsider your position from the day before. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. And that's why, I don't know, that's why it's hard for me. Well, and it, it feels like it's one of those things where if there was no TMZ and no social media and no TV and no radio, yeah. then it would make a difference. It's because it's something that gets out to the masses. Now mm-hmm. you're forced to take up that cause. And like you were saying, everybody, you know, all not just, you know, people in the organization, but even people outside the Clipper organization have said they knew about that. Even Carrie Champion said in her time working in L.A., Nice. Even, even she said that it was a well-known fact. It was just never reported. And that's kind of the thing. It's like, well, why? Because right. who's going to stand up for them? And it kind of made me think about if Sterling's tape had come out and it wasn't racist comments towards, you know, black people or other minorities, because he did say the word minorities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if he was, you know, anti-homosexual or... Anti-Semitic. An- right, anti-Semitic or something like that, would the same people that were Twittering and going mm-hmm. all up in arms with the with the Golden State Warriors, you know, have threatened to boycott the game? Their, their plan, the Clippers' opponent, the night before Adam Silver announced the sanctions, their plan was to do the warm-ups, go to tip-off, and as soon as the ball is tipped up in the air, walk off the court. 
if they didn't like the punishment, if they were not happy with what Silver mm, brought right. down as the punishment. Were they the, also not going to cash their checks that week? Right. So, so you know, yeah. I'm like, if his commentary had been not specifically to their culture, to their class, you know, would everybody have felt the same? Or would it have just been, a, oh, that sucks. Oh, that's, you know, that's not appropriate. You know, we... Or would it have been the same way, you know, the way LeBron James is saying, you know, people like that, you know, we can't have them in our league. He needs to be out immediately. And and it brings up another question, too, is, you know, now they're going to talk about the owners. They need a three-fourths majority to vote him in a f- situation where he has to forcibly sell his team. Hmm. And I wonder, you know, he Sterling is a former lawyer That's himself. Scary. And he likes being in, yeah, in litigation. litigation. <laughs> but it is scary, just not because it's not right what he did. It, like we said, we've already knocked out that fact. It's reprehensible and Mm -hmm. if you're a person of public figure or whatever like that no matter how it's acquired it's not a courtroom the court of public opinion is not the same as being in a courtroom about you know the way evidence is obtained stuff like that this is just you know if you're in the you know if i show up into your bedroom tonight rick and i record conversations against your will i'm violating your rights i'm morally reprehensible myself but if the stuff you're saying you know could come back yeah it could could come back to hurt you if you were running for public office or something like that you're going to be in worse shape than I am. Mm-hmm. People are going to almost look at me as a hero for bringing it to light, even though I violated your privacy. And of course, there's another side of people that will say, well, he violated his privacy. Is there no more privacy in America? And I think we're sort of getting over that reality is that there maybe there really is no more privacy. Maybe that part is kind of out. And it's forcing people yeah. to say, if you're going to hold reprehensible beliefs and reprehensible morals and stuff like that, then it better just be something you keep to yourself for forever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. matter what. Right. You know, but, because but that's, that is scary. I mean, like, again, not, this is a topic that has to come up because we live in this age now, you know, and I'm jumping on your bandwagon with what you're talking about, about privacy and living in the digital age where you could easily right now turn the memo on your phone and record everything we say easily, you know, or off, off you know off the show and record some of the shit we talk about right and then turn around and go oh yeah fuck you guys i'm gonna get you you know whatever and that's the thing it's like that that's what's you know living in this age of this guy and the in the twitter and the blah 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 and ed snowden and the nsa you can throw all this stuff together because it it broaches the same topics is is what are the boundaries Mm -hmm. are the boundaries are the boundaries gone are the boundaries extending are they are they are they elastic now and that's, I don't know, there's so much of that that's just, it's just ugly. And it's, I think it's nowadays, you know, it's too easy to become a hypocrite for anybody, for any right, of us. Yeah. I mean, for me, for anyone, you know what I mean? Because you have to very, very carefully walk that line, if, especially if you're going to be in the public eye, especially even here on this mm-hmm. podcast. I mean, I'm sure we're, you know, gauging our words because of the type of topic it is. And that's the thing is like, what if, you know, and I, this is a question for you talking about, you know, the NBA stuff, is it now, because of what this guy said, which for all intents and purposes, what we're talking about is he said racist things and it was captured on video and it pissed a lot of people off and affects a lot of money. Audio, yeah. TV, markets, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, all this stuff. So now you have to, in a politically correct way, come up with the proper solution to deal with that, to show that we don't support that. The NBA doesn't support that, so we're going to... This is the levy that we're going to throw on you. Right. Okay. So now let me ask you this. So say Kobe Bryant or LeBron James or I'm trying to think of anybody's name I know, Dirk Nowitzki, whoever. Sure. If a, if a audio tape comes up of one of these guys 
using the same type of language, talking about the same things. Because these guys have real estate holdings and businesses and all these things on the side. Now, if a, if a tape comes up of Tim Duncan talking about his car shop and the people that work there or Tony Parker and his club or whatever, anybody. I'm just using anyone as an example sure. because because the, ex- the extremes of that are significant. Now, how, do, how does – how would the NBA react to that? If Kobe Bryant comes out and he's talking bad about white people or Jewish people or Hispanic people, how does the NBA respond? It it sounds like now, you know, and, and it's a great question because I was going to leave you with a thought of uh, I was reading a different article that was written by a lawyer in Nevada who was basically saying he said, I don't agree with anything Sterling said. But I also don't agree with what the NBA did to him because they're violating his rights and his constitutional rights and blah, 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 as far as his assets are concerned, forcing him to sell an asset because of his Mm -hmm. beliefs. And this lawyer was citing the NBA's owner's bylaws that said – and he said – I read it cover to cover and he said in the NBA owner's bylaws, there are only a few stipulations where they can vote to force someone to sell and the only stuff that's in there is for financial insolvency and other financial stuff there's nothing in there about moral turpitude and so he said Mm -hmm. he felt like it was purposely written that way because there's other places where it is written for other stuff for other type of sanctions and the players also have moral turpitude clauses for different things and some contract to contract the agent will you know and the team will have a contract for certain guys that they know like someone that's adventurous will have like a you know, if you can't, you can't ride a motorcycle jumping. and yeah. yeah, stuff like that. And so they can nullify your contract if you're injured for certain things like that. And so to answer your question, it feels like now this specific league has not only set a precedent for its own league, but for the other sports. And leagues. it's scary. It's scary. I mean, because like we we're, you know, talking pre-show about like the Riley Cooper from the Eagles. Right. Right. Riley Cooper had a very similar situation. We're talking about a, you know, a white receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles who was caught on video and audio using, you know, racial slurs against African Americans at a country music concert. Right. right? Mm. And there was a a brief amount of, you know, I mean, there was a lot of talk about it at the time. It was in the, it was in the off season, right? Yeah, it was in the off season, Mm -hmm. last off season. Some of his own, um, teammates were like oh screw that guy you know i don't want anything to do with them blah blah and there was other people that kind of not took his back obviously but said you know what we all make mistakes michael vick was one of those people we all make mistakes and you know blah 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 whatever blah 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 well the guy has a a good year and then is rewarded with a a contract extension (laughs) right so why how is that in other words looking back you know retroactively at how the eagles handle that situation okay we have this guy who is caught on video audio using the same type uh-huh. of language not only not only using that type of language but using it with the threat of violence because he was saying we should go over there and kick these people's asses blah 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 blah, blah is blah, it blah. is it more forgivable for cooper to have said that and apologize for basically saying i was wrong just like michael vick was wrong with the dog stuff whereas sterling is held to a higher standard because he's an owner, owner in charge yeah. of no, these people I, I think i think whatever it's, i i think it's the same thing. I mean, he's a professional. Right. He represents an organization, a business entity, things he do. I mean, like you said, those are things in your contracts. I mean, if you're in, you know, look at the, the kind of junk that's, that went on with um, with um, the receiver, Deshaun Jackson, right? So, like, they kind of, whoever that was that kind of leaked this stuff that, oh, the Eagles are getting rid of him because he has gang ties. Now, I mean, that's if that's not true, that amounts to libel. Right, right. Because they're pretty much crapping him out for any other team that you know that was interested in him. 
but it's the same thing. It's like, so you have those kind of things where, well, you know, if this person associates with these type of people or if it's on the other extreme, Aaron Hernandez, who's probably freaking psychopathic, you know, multiple murderer. Right. You know, you you deal with those things swiftly. But again, that's the same thing. Is like now, like you said, you're setting a precedent. You're opening a big can of worms now because now you're saying, okay, well, how do you treat that? Is it a case-by-case basis thing? Well, this guy apologized, so that's different. He deserves a second chance. This guy has no remorse, so he deserves a second chance. Or he doesn't deserve a second chance. You know what I mean? How, how do you determine the difference between, you know, someone using racial slurs, being very clear about the intent of those words? Not it's slipping out. Okay, let's, let's set that aside right. because I, I don't think there's, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? We're not talking yeah. about slips of the tongue. We're right. talking about very consciously, very awarely using those types of words in a certain way to cause a specific response or, um, you know, uh, awareness in other people. So that's the thing. It's like how do you separate the threat of violence with racism between casual racism or – possible gang ties or possible drug use or possible murder you know what i mean like you're, you're opening up a big can of worms because it's not even like that's not even touching on the topic of homophobia in the nfl right because that's a whole other oh, thing yeah. now uh-huh. th- now they open again they i have no problem talking about like the spn people and the media people because they're the ones that bring these stories to light and then in this kind of like self-flagellating gesture of like we're we're responsible for this too but at the same time they're res- they're reporting on their own their own culture of reporting on this stuff and sensationalizing this stuff and making stories right, about this it's still a story. I mean like you know the, the show that mean you always love to talk about like first take uh-huh. the perfect example of s- sensationalizing stuff for the sake of it they do that they bring that stuff out and talk about it and make a big issue out of stuff and oh is this a racial thing is this a whatever is this a blah blah, blah? and like you know it's it's all about complicity, and if you're at any point you can along that chain mm-hmm. of events, yeah. you can find yourself complicit. Then I think whoever you are, you have to take a step back and examine yourself first before right. you can point fingers, before you can make those judgments. Because I don't know, you know, I, I can't tell you well this is that what's right or that's wrong what they did to that guy. Right. But I know for a fact that if, like you said, people in the media, other athletes, other people not associated with that organization knew about this person's uh, belief system and his moral, you know, his moral direction mm-hmm. and the way he treated, and not just the racism stuff, the way he treated people, the mm-hmm. way he acted, the way he conducted his business. People were, like I said, people were aware of this for years and years and years, right? So that's the thing is like, there's a subtle complicity in that. Now, it's again, same thing. If I live in LA and there's, for whatever reason, two professional basketball teams in the same city, and I choose to go to a Clippers game knowing beforehand, before this was a, an issue, that the owner was a craphead who had horrible labor, you know, horrible labor relations with his people, mm-hmm. treated his people badly, underpaid them, treated them badly, was racist, was was shitty and horrible in his other dealings outside of outside of basketball. And I buy a season ticket and I can say, well, no, it's because I, I love the team. I love Blake Griffin, man. I love seeing him dunk. It has nothing to do with the owner. Because I think maybe we have like, a we have a natural built-in apathy for stuff that's not, you know, a galvanized topic that everybody can rally behind. It's just sort of expected. It's it's a known thing. Well, if a certain guy has certain beliefs that are you know not popular, or they you know are racist or hate speech or beliefs like that, 
you know, it's, well, big shocker. There's so much of that. It's no surprise. Everyone's, mm. a lot of people have said, well, this isn't a shocker at all. So as long as it's just sort of a under the table, you know, whisper, yeah, you know, usual. right. You know, it's not one of those things, but now it's, it's public ownership of the issue. Now the public owns his beliefs. And now the public has, you know, its own court to, to bring the hammer down. Right. So like you were saying, you know, everybody, you know, even if you are, an individual who's racist now you really don't you really have to come out and be like oh it's horrible you know i mean because that's just sort of the thing it gives everybody a clean slate to come out and just you know completely denounce stand. denounce yeah. it yeah. and again those practices you know go on in a lot larger places where it's affecting people that don't really have they're they're dependent on being treated right and being treated unfairly or being treated poorly through racism affects their lives in a really, really horrific way where here it's basically, you know, um, and I was bringing this up with one of my friends the other day saying like, like Chris Paul, he's the, he's the point guard for, for the Clippers. And, you know, the, there's certain cultures that have a, a built in, they have a right to basically claim the difficulty of their lives because of what history has, has put them through, you know? And so, you know, black people were enslaved for, you know, Hundreds of years. Exactly. And completely, ridiculously wrongly by our own country. It wasn't like it happened in some other country and, you know, we had to travel to go, you know, not we, just whoever had to go and emancipate them. And, and it was here on this soil, you know, our country's history. Not very long ago. Not long ago. Not, you know, yeah. thousands of years ago, very, very recently. And then even after, you know, slavery was abolished. Then they had to deal with civil rights and segregation, and that was in the 1900s, not 500, yeah. 600 years ago, you know? And yeah. that's something, like, I bring up Paul just as one example of, you know, if he has any children, I don't know if he does, but if he does, those children are born, you know, as, you know, into a family of a person who is a millionaire. But he can always tell those children don't ever forget where you came from. Don't forget your roots. And they can always rally behind what, you know, the ancestry ancestry went through. That hardship belongs to them. They will always have that. And so anything that remotely shows, you know, uh, anti-black, anti-anything of their culture is something that everybody can get behind. And and rightfully so. They They that culture deserves that where there's some cultures that don't have that. They don't, they don't have a history where they were, you know, across the world in the history books yeah. treated that way. I, right. I think too. I mean, that that's where I think you got to, I say you, I mean the greens, all of us right. have, to, have to kind of open our eyes and realize that that's one of the things that we do share that. Yes, our experiences are different, but in the reality, like most you know, I'm kind of generalizing, but most cultures have been through their own sorts of tribulations. Exactly. You know, and it's mm-hmm. easy for us to like, you know, look at like, you know, job application or SAT style, like African American, white, non-white, Hispanic, Pacific Islander, whatever. But the reality is, it obviously, it goes deeper than that. Because right. you know, I was talking with a friend about that today. I was like, I was asking him, I was like, you know, usually like you say white people is a kind of encompassing blanket, you know, mm-hmm. a label. And, and, you know, of course, nowadays, that's like a thing where white people are like, well, no, I'm not white. I'm, you know, German, Scotch, blah, 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 whatever, you know, and and, and and that's perfectly valid because everyone has a right to their identity, their right to their heritage Mm -hmm. and their culture. At the same time, the same way that we're reclaiming that culture and reclaiming our heritage and being proud of it or 
you know, using that as part of the the um, foundation of our identities and our children's identities that we're passing on to them, we're responsible for understanding the complexity of our own cultures and not just ours, but other people's. Because it's the same thing. There's plenty of people that are non-Hispanic, non-African American that are of, you know, whatever you want to call them, white, Caucasian, whatever, if you want to get into the details of it, but that have been oppressed, that have had their own troubles. And, you know, you know whether it's, you know, the English and the Irish, and you have that. You know, Irish right. were the slaves before the African Americans were slaves. So you have that sort of thing. You have how the Spanish came and, you know, pulled a genocide on Native Americans. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right. So that's a whole other thing. And that's something that even for us as Hispanics oftentimes gets lost, even... Right. Even with the most diehard of, of you know, brown power people, is that like our our entire, our entire as Hispanics or Mexican Americans or Latinos or Hispanics or whatever anyone out there would like to call us, you know, that's part of our culture. Is that like the ingrained part of you? Unless you're a pure blood Spanish or purely native, you come from a culture of conflict mm-hmm. of war of Rape and genocide of, exactly yeah. mm-hmm. it's like the spanish didn't come here and fall in love they came here to do some damage and were <laughs> yeah. the result of that well rewind you to know? the to the 80s when we were in school when we were in elementary school and people were like oh remember the alamo and that was the problem that i always had because i was like so the hispanics were bad yes the spanish were bad remember the alamo okay so then i grew up and i learned that santa ana was doing this because he didn't want slavery he disagreed with slavery and that texas wanted slavery so we were on the good side of that yeah but like, that, that, but that, that's that, not how it got talked yeah, to us but, but even that like even that's like even the revisionist version of that is difficult because there's back and forth sides of that you know what yeah. i mean it's like because it wasn't that oh the people from texas wanted slavery and he was fighting against it it wasn't the issue it's like at the same level it's like yes that's a part of it that's a dynamic of it mm-hmm. but the same token it was you have to throw in their class. You have to throw in their wealth and all these yeah. other things that come into it. It's like, you know, when this was a part of Mexico, they invited people to come to move to Mexico and they would give them land right. and all this stuff. And then once they all showed up, and it's kind of like basically reverse immigration from what we're dealing with now, is that like all these white people showed up and they're like, whoa, that's too many white people. Calm down. And then the white <laughs> people were like, you know what? We like it here. Fuck you. We're going to make this our own country. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. There, there's plenty of ways to look at it. And, yeah. and, and I'm glad. And there's all I'm different glad. versions, Yeah, too. and I'm glad. I mean, I know people get worked up and angry about it and, like, whatever. It's it's not even worth, at this point, getting angry about it. It's, it's, but it's worth talking about. It's mm-hmm. worth exploring these things because there's going to – hopefully there, there will be a point where it's – these things don't have this undercurrent of bitterness and anger and hurt and pain and suffering. That will always be there. That's always stuff we need to be aware of and right. be respectful of. But there has to be a point where you can have this conversation without, a f- you know, without it being an affront to someone else's beliefs or someone mm-hmm. else's ideas of what's right and wrong. You can just have the conversation and say, "Well, this is what I understand." You know, educate me, explain to me without making me feel stupid, without making right. me feel like I'm a racist or I'm an uneducated idiot because that's not how people learn shit. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, open the door and, and let them walk through it. You can't right. push them through it. You can't right. shut the door on them. And, you know, not to get too far off the topic, but I think it's not. It's like these things are, are connected regardless of the cultures. It's like, again, the reason why this is a topic is because we're talking about tons and tons and tons and tons of money and celebrities. Well, yeah, because you know, the the, N- the NBA yeah. is a brand and it's their right to protect their brand and mm-hmm. stand up for that so that, you know, at the end of the day, they're doing two things. They are 
showing their moral fiber and they're also keeping fans interested and making sure people will continue to shell out money for season tickets and know that we know we are the good guys we're on your side we're fighting for everybody's causes that it's not tolerated you know here and it shouldn't be tolerated anywhere and i agree with all of that Mm -hmm. and you know again like us being you know hispanic latino you know all of our heritage and our culture and stuff like that you know we we have to hear you know whenever illegal immigration comes up in the arizona stuff you know that's Mm. something that gets hammered to a lot of us you know and johnny who was one of our guests he was telling me a story about how when he was first interviewing for a job in indianapolis you know because he does graphic design work that um the guy told him when he saw his name on paper that he was expecting a dark skinned guy wearing boots and a cowboy hat because he was from Texas. And because he was, you know, he had a, a a last name, you know, that was of Spanish descent. And he was joking with him when he shook his hands, like, I was so glad to find out that that wasn't, you know, how it was. And he shook his hand, you know, he's like, so, you know, we're really glad to have you, you know, because that was just, that was not what I I thought you were one of those other kind. I was not, (laughs) I I, I don't think he, and actually I'm misspeaking. I don't think he said, I'm so glad. He said, I was surprised. Surprised, I was surprised that, you know, that that was a a different thing. Yeah. So I I didn't mean to improperly frame the situation, but the thing is, you know, um, and I guess my big ticket item, why this is a topic that I care about is at the end of the day, you know, does this kind of discussion, does us as, you know, our our little group here and then all of the giant media outlets with, you know, millions of viewers, will this affect any change in a in a larger sense? Will other people that are harboring these views, these morally repre- reprehensible views, or even, like Rick said, treating people poorly through their views, um, Will they think twice now? Like, man, look what happened to this guy. You know, maybe I need to, even if these are my views, I need to at least not treat people that way and I need to not voice them. Because at See, the end of the day, if I you're not voicing it. it, are you at least making a positive step forward? If you're not treating people badly despite what you think, it. are you making a step forward and making, you know, an effective change? It, I just wonder about at stuff At least you're like not that. breeding it, I yeah. guess, at that point. Right. But I almost wonder, like, and I, I, you know, this that's another can of worms, but I almost wonder, it's like, What's worse, though, like if you're, you know, a, a closeted racist or a homophobe or a sexist or a classist and you put on this front when you walk out the door and walk out of the office and you say, oh, I'm nice to everybody. Everybody's great. He's fine. And then you go home and go, "Ugh, those people, those people. It would be so much better at work if those people weren't there or these people weren't there. This is why so-and-so is lazy or this is why so-and-so got a promotion. Mm. Now, if you come home and keep that within the walls of your house, to some degree, there's – there. I mean, there's a – depending on how you you choose to – to characterize that, if that, that, that if, could easily be hypocrisy. But, but if that person's judgment. not teaching it to anybody, to their to their spouse, friends, or children, no, it's going to yeah. die with them, no, no, yeah. and that's it. That is true. Yeah. But it, but is that the case? Now, if if you come, if you're a racist and you come home every day and you're surrounded by people that you don't like of whatever those groups are that I mentioned, and you come home and tell your wife, "Oh, so and so and so and so and so and so," and between the two of you, and she goes, "Yeah, yeah, you're right, man. That is blah blah blah," and at some point. Whether you choose to pass it on or not, your children here or your friends here or other people in your house here, and then does that rub off on them? And then they, they have to make you know what I'm saying? No, that's that's, that's cancerous. That's you know, still the, that's but, still but that, perpetuating that's that, that's that why, darkness. That's why mm-hmm. I, I'm such, I have such a interesting 
I have such an interesting idea about that. No, sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I think it's an interesting topic because now in the same token, if you work with someone who's a racist or a sexist or a homophobe and that person comes to work and they have no qualms about sending emails or talking at the water cooler or blatantly abusing other people verbally with those types of words, mm-hmm. then how quickly is that person going to be fired or cast out or ostracized for their beliefs? Now that that's kind of the thing is like, and then you deal with it that way. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying one is right and one's wrong. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying like, what, how, how, what is the real difference between that? If I, if I hate everybody, <laughs> but I don't tell them I hate them, but then I go home and stew about how much I hate them, and at some point that's gonna spill over, whether or not how I treat other people or how I treat my own people that I care about. Somehow or another, it's it's gonna it's gonna right. seep it's gonna into see your that. life. Yeah. You can't be a dickhead at heart and contain it forever. Right. You know what I mean? And so that's the thing. It's like so. Part of me, it's almost like, like I I've crossed paths at points in my life where I've known people who've been casual racists, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll say that in the sense that they might drop a word right. you shouldn't drop. <clears throat> yeah. For, for effect, they'll say like, "Hey, look at that," blah blah blah, and they they want to they uh, they're either making a joke or whatever it is they, they say and, and and there's that part for a half a second where you know they're waiting to see how you like laugh at their joke or respond to yeah. their joke or ignore their joke or get mad or whatever well we'll see and that's the thing is they give you that half second to react and they're waiting for a reaction to, to, for, to make sure it's okay for them to do that and that and that's again would that, that be that, considerate that's where complicity in? comes in because and I'm not saying you're guilty if you if you don't say anything or you right. don't stand up to I'm saying that's where you have to make that moral decision and say, okay, like, how do I deal with this? I, I've been in situations with people I don't know very well where I'm talking to them and they casually drop the you know, the the normal kind of awful racial slurs that you're aware of and I go and I I have that mental moment of like, how do I respond to this? I don't right. know this person that well. But at the same time I'm insulted as much by the fact that they think it's okay to say that. In right. my presence, right, and I, I know that you know people I've been acquainted with. I'll say it like that. I, I remember one day I was talking to somebody that I was acquainted with, and they just casually dropped a, a racial slur, mm-hmm. and I was like kind of taken aback, and I was like, "Whoa!" And I was like, "Whoa!" And he was like, "What?" The person was like, "What?" And I was like, "I don't need to hear that." And 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 I'm not saying that was enough or that was the right thing or that was the way to respond, but yeah. the fact that I had to make some sort of choice right. at that moment, and, and and we all do. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's it's not like it, it's something that you can't. At some point in your life, you can't avoid that moment. And I'm not even saying that was a big moment for me or whatever. I'm just saying right. those things happen. I think we have to be aware of of how we feel about that. You know what well, I mean? Kind of, like, kind of like what you were saying earlier, though, about about going back to the idea that we all kind of participate in it to some degree. Yeah. Um, even just among our, our friend group and and then families and everything. Uh, for those that don't know, my wife is primarily white. I am primarily Hispanic, even though I'm very pale-skinned Hispanic, for all that matters. And we hate you for it. <laughs> and uh, Especially Mike <laughs> hates you. And Of uh, course, neither – this is a, like a brown table, and neither one of – none of us are – even close to the color of the table, so there you go. True. So, like, I've, I've, and I'm not gonna throw anybody under the bus technically, but I've had family members from her side <laughs> say, uh, say stuff like, for example, they called Dylan, who looks very white, like way whiter than I do, but he's half me and half Sarah, call him Paco. I'm uh-huh. like, 
I don't know how to react to that. Like, it's from an older person, and so, like, okay, in my head, I'm making excuses for them, maybe, thinking, well, it's a different time, and I know he's not, they're not saying it in a hurtful way, and I know that they love him. Right. So, do I, you know, do I, am I permissive about it? The other aspect of that... Because uh, really, it's like, they're not making fun of him, they're making fun of you. Right. <laughs> in, a, in a way, yes. I mean, that's true. Like, we love him because like, he's our blood, but you, you're, you're an interloper. <laughs> so, and then here's the other side of that. When we were all together, I was holding true. a couple of friends of ours. I was holding their son, who is very dark-complected, and the joke came up that, oh, that looks more like Mario's kid than Mario's actual kid. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, for all intents and purposes, that's, you know, that's a racial kind of, a, of a, an issue. Did it make you cry? No, I Did thought it was, cry? I thought it was hilarious, and I laughed. And that was it. But that kind of... Does that get grouped into this whole thing, too? I mean, should it? or? Well, I think it's... <laughs> I think you have to... Part, part of being... Not that it's ever okay to be shitty, but your environment... Again, like we were talking about earlier, like if you're among people you're comfortable with and people that... You know, us. Okay, we'll, we'll talk use it, us specifically. Well, see, we're and, not and, talking about other groups. And we're, Sarah's family was there, too. So it's white people and then all of our groups of friends so Hispanic people yeah. and so everybody laughed at it for different reasons or for the same reason yeah so yeah. from from both perspectives of it yeah you know? it's 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 hard I mean I, I mean obviously I mean we, we could talk about this for hours and hours because there's no answer because everybody has a different perspective of what is offensive or what's acceptable you know like real quick like a little anecdote like I remember I was at work one day and um, you know where I work there's a lot of you know Anglo people or whatever, and I not were work with me, but that I come into contact with, you know. Right. And um, I remember one day I was out with these these people, and uh, whoa, whoa, the, these people. Well, I'm not trying to be specific. About <laughs> I know who they were, but like I'm, you know, two gentlemen that were white okay. gentlemen. Okay, I, I don't know what their heritage was, but they were white people. Okay, and the guy is telling me he's talking about something, and in the space of that conversation he casually the same in the same breath as saying the sun or the moon or the rain he says oh these blah 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 wetbacks the blah 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 like saying these wetbacks right and i remember again i had those moments where i was like whoa like i it took me i, I took a step back because i thought okay like you know um i don't speak spanish i'm not from mexico that's pretty obvious but I'm ne- I'm generally not confused with not being Hispanic. Right. Nor right. Is, I mean, I was standing next to my my father, who is unmistakably Hispanic when you look <laughs> at him. You know, but so it was like the thing. But and the fact that that and that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of casual racism I'm talking about, where this person says something, assuming that like, oh, well, you're not like that, so yeah. you won't be offended by it. Yeah. And and the the assumption is almost the worst part about it because you're saying mm-hmm. something about you makes you okay as opposed to somebody else, right? And even that acceptance of me is in a form offensive, right? Exactly. Because you don't know anything about me, you don't know my situation, you don't know the people I know or my family comes from or my my past, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing, and that's what I'm talking about when you're around people that you don't know, people that. I mean, that's the thing is like generally if you don't know somebody, you respect who they are and you respect their boundaries because you don't know what their boundaries are. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. The same way like some people aren't huggers, right? Like some people like don't like being hugged by anyone, let alone strangers. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I always think about that because I'm I'm a hugger. I'll come, yeah. I'll hug people generally like that I meet for the first time. I'll like hey, or usually when I'm saying bye to them, I'll hug them. Yeah. And there's people they're probably like, Ugh, don't hug me. Like, yeah, but it's hard. anybody you can't be aware of it. It's you know, so but I try to be conscious and be like, oh, some people don't like that. You know what I mean, or whatever. You know what I mean. So, yeah. I don't know, but it's a great topic, Mike. I mean, because obviously you could mine it for forever because there's just so many aspects and and angles that you know. That we could go with. Yeah. But yeah. do you have any final thoughts on that? No. I mean, really, it's really just more about the questions that mm-hmm. it brings up. And yeah. just, you know, I wonder, you know, it, it's already starting to die down just as far as media attention because mm-hmm. of how fast the sanctions were brought on yeah. on Sterling. Yeah. And, think, uh, it, you know, maybe it, just a, it's just covering for 370 because they haven't found 370 yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, you Flashback know, to episode two. It'll just be interesting to see, you know, over time when another situation comes up, you know, will this have set a precedent? Will businesses start to follow suit too? just regular Mm. private entities? Will they be like, well, you know, this well-known sports entity did this. Now we have the ability to to do that. You know, will will we see more more lawsuits and things like that? And and that's scary because what if I mean, you know, and you know, the world we live in, people love to litigate, but it's like. You know, it's like now does this give people ideas to go, oh, I don't like my boss. I'm just going to keep my phone on memo all the time in the event yeah. that I catch them saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. And then this business is mine. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, that's horrible. But like, you know, like, you, like you're like you bringing that up. Like that's, yeah, it's a, it's a well, nasty, nasty can of worms. And just to mention, for those that want that kind of a world, there's an app called Herd. I actually have it. For different purposes, <laughs> but it create no no. But listen, it it holds a fight. Of are you, are you, Am I crossing a line? Of course, again. No, no, okay, you're so, fine. You're just advertising some racist. No, no. <laughs> okay, so I had to take my dog to the to the vet, and the vet was telling me some information that I knew I wasn't going to remember. I just have a very bad memory. Mm-hmm. There's this app called Herd, mm-hmm. and I think you pay like ninety nine cents or two bucks That's or something. Too much already. And you get five minutes of of buffered recording, so. It always refreshes itself, so at the end of five minutes, you know, it's got the next five minutes or whatever. So um, they were saying something important. I knew I wasn't going to catch it. I turned on the app, and then I, after they are done saying what they needed to say, I turn off the app, go home, and I'm trying to explain to Sarah, okay, well, this is what what the doctor said. Oh, well, what about this? Oh, well, here, let me just play this for you. And I played the five minutes. And it works <laughs> to our advantage. This is this is a, a case of this kind of a thing being a good thing. Right. Like, I can understand why that kind of an app would but exist. But that, that's how stuff pops up on teams so say you're you're recording your your veterinarian right right talking about something in the space that say you've known him a while and you've been his customer for a while and he's treated your dog for a while he goes oh mario let me tell you this joke i heard today and he tells the most awful despicable joke now say you're the type of person who goes oh i like you you're cool but you know what that's shitty so i think i'm going to release this to the you know the newspaper or to my blog or to wherever on the podcast you know and and that's the thing it's like i don't know i i know we could go on and on about it but that's it's interesting i'm not saying i'm not saying it's right or wrong i'm saying it's interesting because the age we live in the digital age it's like there there used to be a time where you know telephone you know that's a perfect example you Mm -hmm. play the telephone game and oh yeah and between you and 10 people the message is lost or the context is lost or you know it turns into a joke or whatever and that was kind of the safety of 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 not having the technology then because right. you knew that you know for good or bad something's going to get diluted very quickly mm-hmm. in this day and age 
it's it does it, do, it does get diluted, but it's or, well, consciously yeah. and taken out of context because that's the the power that we give to the technology we have and the mm-hmm. the, the the voice that we give to people that's unfiltered and you know so I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, like you said, I mean, this we could talk about this. We could yeah. revisit this topic so once a week. Obviously, <laughs> so obviously, that was a pretty heavy topic. Thanks, Mike, for bringing everybody yeah, out definitely. there down that Woo-hoo. listens to this for, <laughs> for shits and giggles. But uh, well, yeah. So this is a serious episode. We were yeah. going to talk about some other stuff, but right now we're sitting at uh, about fifty-five minutes. So, so can, I think we can this will just be the no okay. the race episode. I think. Wow, that's heavy. That's not. That's pretty big. So it, let's, so go on, let's go on something easier. Well, am I, am I? Would I be guilty for playing up the media aspect of calling it the race episode just to get people that's, to download that's, it? That's nasty. I don't even like that. <laughs> I don't know. All right, leverage, we'll to, leverage. We'll have to take a vote on that then. Okay, later. so well, real quick, let's let's touch on one of the topics we uh, discussed earlier. Ugh, this feels like a, there's no transition now. No, there's no way to transition. All right, that. well, <laughs> so we can just. I mean, like which. <laughs> any, any other topic now makes you diminish. Like you're feels... diminishing the importance yeah. of. And, and, and we're like we're like associating humanity. the next topic with this topic. So it's like, anyway. So I got this. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> Sorry to kind of have it. Well, I don't think it's a downer episode though. I think it's it's a. No, it's, it's a, interesting. But I think it's an episode that everybody can contemplate and decide just, where they stand. It's just not funny. It's serious. No. You yeah, know, it is. But it, it's also something that affects us from every generation, mm-hmm. every culture, every age. Every everything, and not even culture. Like what you were saying about Johnny earlier about them thinking that he was going to come in wearing boots. My automatic thought is, oh well, that's how people see Texans. Right. So suddenly right. we're I, all I different races grouped into the same idea because so. people think we carry around cowboy hats, boots, and a yeah. gun. People are just jealous of Texans. That's the problem. They're not racist <laughs> towards us. They're jealous of us. Or the accent. Yeah. <laughs> or the accent. Yeah. Well, no, that's funny. Real quick, like, have you ever like? Uh, I remember um, talking on the phone one time to this person that. <laughs> Uh, through work or whatever, and this person lived in North Texas, and and you know, North North Texas is kind of like South Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and I remember talking to this person. They're like exactly how the kind of stereotypical Texas accent you hear from like movies and stuff, and like right. you know, not quite howdy, but you know. And I remember Close going, enough, wow, yeah. like that's that's an accent. I don't have that accent. And I remember going, hi, how's it going? And the person was like, hey, how's it going? They're like, wow, you sound funny. And I was like. <laughs> You sound funny. Like, like I don't, I, I don't know. It, it's always yeah. interesting, like to hear that because I'm like, I don't, I don't think I have an, an accent. accent. Yeah, well, accent. I don't think anybody does. But you know, it's just. But, well, I get go. that all the time. Like, I, I, I've been on the phone for a majority of my career in several different businesses, and I always get, oh, where, are, where are you from? You sound like you're from the Midwest, or you sound like you're from up north, or you sound like you're from the Northeast. And I'm like, I don't even. I get so many different places, and I'm like, oh, I'm from Texas. They're like, oh. Gross. Are you sure? And I'm like, are you yes, sure? I'm born and raised you know in San Antonio. <laughs> you're in a box. But then I also get those people that are like, you're in India, aren't you? I'm like, oh, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. So, okay, well, so we'll go ahead and wrap up. Yeah, this, um, this thing. But uh, since it is contemplative, though, I mean, I really kind of, as, as our audience, what do you guys think? Let us know. Um, email us. You can call in on our our uh, phone line, and I'll, that'll be at the end of the episode as well. And uh, leave us a message. Let us know what you think, what you agree with, what you disagree with. What would you have done had you been in charge solely of uh, the decision for how to handle the Donald Sterling situation? Let us know. Thanks for listening, guys. You can visit us on our home on the web at www.itsaguythingpodcast.com, on Instagram and Facebook at It's a Guy Thing Podcast, and Twitter, It's a Guy Thing Pod. 
You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and we'll be coming soon to many other podcatchers. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is Mario. This is Rick. This is Michael. With, and you're listening to It's a Guy Thing podcast. <laughs> 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 Cut.